This podcast is from the Rand Corporation, a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis. For more Rand analysis, reports, and commentary on issues at the forefront of today's policy debate, visit www.rand.org. Good afternoon. My name is Jamie Fugelson. I'm the Director of Congressional Relations at the RAND Corporation. It's my pleasure today to welcome you to this briefing uh, called Meeting the Healthcare Needs of America's Veterans, a summary of three RAND assessments conducted under the Veterans Choice Act. As you all know, in response to concerns about veterans' access to care and the quality of care delivered by the Veterans Health Administration, Congress enacted the Veterans Access, Choice, and Accountability Act. The law called for a series of independent assessments of the VA healthcare system across a broad array of topics related to to the delivery of healthcare services to veterans in VA-owned and VA-operated facilities, as well as those contracted to the VA. A team of RAND researchers led by Carrie Farmer and Sue Hosek conducted three of the 12 assessments called called for by the VA Choice Act, and those are what we're going to talk about here today. Among other topics, we'll discuss the changing demographics and healthcare needs of the veteran population, how VA's capacity to deliver healthcare, uh, VA's capacity to deliver healthcare, and how this might impact veterans' access, VA's current purchase care authorities, and what policymakers should consider when examining changes to those authorities, and steps that policymakers can take to progress toward the goal of providing high-quality, timely, and accessible healthcare to meet our veterans' needs. Leading our discussion today is Carrie Farmer. She's a senior policy researcher and associate director for the Behavioral and Policy Sciences Department at RAND. She has led multiple studies to examine the accessibility and quality of healthcare delivered to veterans and service members, and has conducted evaluations of large, federally funded public health and mental health programs, analyses of mental health care quality in a variety of populations, and, th- and the development of metrics to assess the quality and effectiveness of healthcare services and programs. She holds a PhD in health policy from Harvard University. So with all that said, with the introductory comments out of the way, I'm very happy to turn it over to Carrie to start today's to today's discussion. Okay, so why don't we get started? In the spring of 2014, news reports surfaced that veterans were facing long wait times for care uh, at the Phoenix VA. Soon after that, there were many news reports of, of long wait times across the country that some staff members were falsifying wait time data, that veterans were were dying for care, these allegations were made, and Secretary Shinseki resigned amid the scandal. And soon thereafter, as Jamie mentioned, Congress passed and President Obama signed um, the legislation that drove this this study that I'm going to talk about today. So the the Veterans Choice Act was passed in August of 2014. Uh, We started this work shortly thereafter. We were were working on this assessment by November of 2014. Since the legislation was in response to the access crisis, part of the legislation focused on providing access to veterans who were unable to access VA either due to living far from a VA facility or facing a long wait time. So provided access to care in the community um, for veterans who met certain requirements. The legislation, as Jamie mentioned, also um, um, called for this independent assessment. And this is where RAND came in. And finally, the uh, legislation created the Commission on Care. Uh, And the role of the Commission on Care is to take the findings from the independent assessment and present recommendations to Congress and the President for the future of VA healthcare. So the independent assessment covered 12 different areas of VA healthcare. Areas that RAND focused on were looking at 
demand for care, supply of care, and purchased care. So we looked at both the current and projected healthcare needs of veterans um, and their demographics. We looked at the current and projected resources that VA has to provide timely and accessible care to veterans. And we looked at VA's authorities and mechanisms for purchasing care uh, in the community. To do this, we analyzed over 500 data sets from both VA and non-VA sources. We interviewed over 70 individuals, and we conducted a survey of 240 VA medical centers. So let's first talk about demand and veterans' health care needs. It's pretty complex to assess demand for VA health care. Not all veterans are eligible under current policy. In fact, only 60% of all veterans are eligible for VA health care. VA provides health care to veterans um, based on their service history, having a service-connected health care condition, and income, which varies by locality. Not all veterans who are eligible for VA health care enroll in VA health care, and not all those who enroll use VA health care. The other point of context that's important to note is that VA uh, is, the budget is an annual appropriation from Congress. Uh, this budget, due to the appropriations process, is set two years in advance. Um, so this means that if there is an increase in demand or there are unexpected needs, VA has limited ability to move dollars around to meet those needs. So with that context, let's talk a little bit about um, uh, the, the veteran population. So the size of the veteran population has been decreasing for some time. Um, since 1980, the, the number of veterans have decreased by 21%. At the same time, the number of veterans who are using VA for health care has increased. And this is in part due to increases in eligibility um, and increases in use by veterans from uh, newer cohorts of veterans. So veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan wars have been using VA at higher rates. Looking out over the future, we expect these trends to largely continue. So we project that the number of veterans will decrease by an additional 19% by 2024. And we expect that over the near term, there will continue to be increased demand for VA health care. So over the next five years, we expect uh, uh, increasing numbers of veterans to use VA health care. But over the longer term, we expect this increase to, to slow down or even decline. Um, in part, this is due to the end of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And in part, this is due to the decrease in the overall size of the veteran population. Veterans are older than non-veterans and are much more likely to be male. Um, while the number of female veterans has been increasing, uh, women are still a small proportion of the overall veteran population. Veterans also have higher rates of many chronic conditions than non-veterans, and veterans who use VA for health care have even higher rates of many <coughs> chronic conditions than veterans who don't use VA for health care. So what this means is that VA providers are treating a case mix that is pretty different from the case mix that civilian providers see. So they're treating a population that is older, that is male, and that has high rates of chronic conditions. As I mentioned before, not all veterans who are enrolled in VA use VA for health care. Um, and not all those who use VA receive all of their care from VA. So most veterans have another source of health insurance. So they have um, coverage through Medicare, or they have private insurance, and they uh, use VA to meet only a portion of their health care needs. And so this slide shows for different types of services the portion of that type of service that is met by VA versus another, um, another health source of coverage. 
This makes it difficult for VA to plan in a given year how many veterans are going to be using VA uh, for what and for what conditions. Demand is going to evolve over the next 10 years. Um, so as I mentioned, over the, over the short term, uh, demand is likely to continue increasing, and then it will start to level off and even decline. At the same time, the VA patient population itself is going to evolve. The current VA patient population is going to become older and less healthy. And the post-9-11 veterans, who now are a relatively small proportion of the overall veteran population, are going to increase as uh, increase in size and become a greater proportion of the overall veteran population. Uh, right now, little is known about the long-term health care needs of this, um, of this cohort of veterans. Uh, and so there will need to be continued attention to really understand these needs and plan for these needs in the future. Finally, the geographic location of veterans will, will change. Uh, and I'll show this more on, on the next slide. What this means is that VA operates with a lot of uncertainty. And the future itself is uncertain. Um, so a future conflict could add a large number of new veteran patients. So looking at this map, the areas that are gold or yellow um, are areas where the, the veteran population is going to decline in the next 10 years. And the areas in blue are areas where the veteran population is going to increase in the next 10 years. And if you can see the little dots, those are the areas where there's a VA medical center. So what this means is that the change is not uniform. Um, there are certain areas that are going to be experiencing great increases in the number of veterans, and those might be areas where um, there's, not, there's not currently a VA medical center located. And simultaneously, areas like in, um, in the Northeast and in the Rust Belt area are areas where there's going to be a more significant decline in the number of veterans. So thinking about the supply of healthcare, what VA has as resources to meet veterans' healthcare needs, VA is one of the nation's largest healthcare systems. Um, we examined VA's resources across a number of domains, um, and they are quite large. So there's hundreds of hospitals and outpatient clinics. There's over 55,000 clinicians providing care at VA facilities. Um, but VA does face some barriers to using these resources effectively. To really understand the extent to which VA is able to harness these resources to provide uh, care to veterans, we examined the accessibility of care, the timeliness of that care, and the quality of care. So we first looked at the accessibility of care in terms of geographic access. Where do veterans live relative to where VA facilities are located? And what we found is that it really, um, it really matters how you define living close to a VA facility. So um, we, while 93% of veterans live within a 40-mile driving distance of a VA facility, only 25% of veterans who rely on public transportation live within a 60-minute transit time by public transportation to a VA facility. It also matters um, how you think about a VA facility. So while 93% of veterans live within a 40-mile drive to any VA medical facility, this includes hospitals and outpatient clinics, a much smaller proportion um, so 26% live within 40-mile drive of a VA facility that provides the highest complexity care. In terms of timeliness, we examined VA's wait time data and found that most veterans are able to have an appointment um, within two weeks of the date on which they would like to have that appointment. Um, so on this chart, you can see that 83% of veterans who are seeking a new, uh, a, a, an appointment with a new primary care provider um, have that appointment within two weeks of when they would like to. This also means that 17% of veterans do not 
receive that appointment within two weeks. And there's a lot of variability. So some veterans are waiting quite a long time, um, more than 60 days at the extreme. It's difficult to compare VA's timeliness to other healthcare systems because this measure of timeliness is relatively unusual um, and is based on a subjective assessment by either the veteran or their provider on when the, when the appointment itself should occur. So we looked at some survey data to compare, to try to understand the timeliness of VA compared to other healthcare systems. And what we find in survey data is that veterans report are much less likely to report getting care as soon as they need compared to um, patients from other healthcare systems. VA has long been a leader in quality measurement, and many studies have found that the quality of VA healthcare is good. We compared VA to private hospitals, to commercial HMOs, to Medicare HMOs, and found also that the quality of VA healthcare is as good or better than other, other systems um, on most measures. Um, so this is confirming the findings that have been existing for a long time that the quality of care is quite good. We do find, however, that there is variability in quality. So not every single facility is providing the same level of quality. We also used VA data to try to understand what's going to be happening over the next five years. So we found, um, as I suggested, that there's going to be a continued increase in demand. And compared to the projected increase in supply, there's going to continue to be a gap between supply and demand. Um, and VA may face challenges um, in providing care to veterans, providing timely and accessible care to veterans over the next, uh, over the near term. Um, so one thing that the legislation did was to provide access to care in the community as one potential solution to this problem. And VA has been providing more and more purchase care over time. So this is care that VA is paying for in the community. Um, this has been increasing both in the number of veterans who are using care in the community and in the cost of that care. Um, the FY15 numbers are even higher than this, and in the VA budget for FY17 and 18, um, the numbers are even higher. So this is really the direction of where things have been going, is to increase the amount of care that's provided in the community. So we also wanted to talk about, so uh, given that this is the direction that things are going with more veterans receiving care in the community, what are some considerations for policymakers in thinking about purchase care? So as part of the assessment, we examined um, how VA purchases care currently. Um, and so at the time of our assessment, there were multiple different mechanisms through which VA purchases care. So individual contracts with providers, um, partnerships with the Department of Defense and academic medical centers, and through contracts with third-party administrators who manage a network of providers. All of these different mechanisms have different eligibility rules for veterans and different eligibility rules for providers who would like to participate. Um, there's different reimbursement rates under each of these different types of mechanisms. And on the whole, it's pretty confusing both for veterans, for providers, and for VA staff who are working to get veterans into community care. Um, in July of 2015, as we were finishing this assessment, Congress passed additional legislation requiring VA to come up with a plan to consolidate this purchase care function, and VA has since delivered that plan to Congress, and the hearings are underway discussing uh, the implementation of the plan. One thing that's very unknown, however, is what the timeliness of care provided in the community is and what the quality of that care is. So there's currently no mechanism to monitor the timeliness and quality of care. So while purchase care is seen as a potential option for increasing uh, access to care for veterans, it's currently not known whether veterans are able to access care in the community 
faster than they're able to access care at VA. The other challenge is that um, purchase care is intended to address areas uh, for veterans who are living far from a VA facility. So we examined whether veterans who live far from a VA facility live closer to care in the community. And what we find is that while most veterans who live far from a VA facility live close to primary care in their communities, um, much fewer live close to specialty care. So this is really a challenge for the U.S. healthcare system as a whole, not just for VA, of figuring out how to provide care to people who are living in rural areas. In our examination of the authorities for purchase care and the various mechanisms for purchase care currently, it was very clear that there's not a clear strategy for purchase care and there's not one set, one goal or an objective for purchased care. So this is very important in thinking about the future of figuring out how does purchase care fit into the bigger picture of providing health care for veterans. Um, there are another number of po possible objectives that policymakers might be considering. So perhaps purchase care is intended to be a short-term measure to really fill these gaps where there is increased demand and not enough supply. Um, perhaps it's meant to be a longer-term strategy, so where purchase care can complement care that's provided by VA facilities. So there may be areas where there are only outpatient <coughs> clinics and um, a longer-term strategy would be to have contracts with inpatient facilities in those areas that would be a complement to the outpatient care that's provided by VA. Other policy objectives that, um, that, that might be considered are um, in improving the value of health care for veterans or increasing veterans' choices. Um, and finally, uh, you know, perhaps the objective is really to think about redefining the very concept of VA healthcare um, and having VA pay more of a payer role than a provider role. Um, our assessment in RAND does not have a, um, an opinion or making a recommendation on which of these objectives is, just that it needs to be very clear what the goal is and what the strategy is um, to really have this be a, a thoughtful process moving forward. So from us work, we have a number of recommendations. Um, as I've mentioned, the veteran landscape itself is going to be changing over the, uh, in the future. Um, and there will need to be attention to balancing the short-term increase in demand and need to build capacity <coughs> with the longer-term reality that the size of the veteran population is going to be decreasing. Um, and that this is not going to be something that's going to be happening uniformly over the country. So there ne needs to be attention um, at, at more local levels in terms of thinking about the best ways to provide care for different areas of the country and for different types of care. So maybe in some places it makes sense to build new facilities, in other sense it makes sense to invest more in telehealth uh, capabilities. VA will need better data to do this planning in the future. Um, there hasn't been a census of the veteran population since the 2000 census. Um, the 2010 census did not ask about veteran status. The U.S. Census conducts an annual survey, the American Community Survey, which does ask about veteran status and does a very good job um, providing information about the veteran population as a whole across the country. Um, what it is not able to do, however, is to provide detail at the local level that VA needs to really do good planning on where veterans are located and what their needs are. Um, so we have a strong recommendation to um, re-implement data collection on veteran status in the 2020 Census. We also recommend that VA closely monitor the needs of post-9-11 veterans. Um, this veteran cohort has experienced combat um, differently than other, uh, than other cohorts of veterans, um, have much higher rates of combat exposure. Um, and so really being able to plan for the long-term needs of this population is important. And finally, since veterans are using 
um, healthcare, not just from VA, but from multiple sources. It's really important to have better data on all healthcare used by veterans. Currently, VA has visibility on Medicare, um, so data, uh, Medicare data on uh, that, that veterans are using and are able to see where um, veterans are using the types of care um, paid for by Medicare that veterans are using, but has no visibility over other types of health care, um, including um, TRICARE and other federal health, um, health systems. Um, so uh, there needs to be better data collection, both so VA can under better have better information on what portion of the care of veterans' health care they are um, providing, and also to help um, think about better ways to um, increase um, continuity of care across different health care systems. We recommend that VA and Congress continue to work to find ways to improve access and quality of care. Um, there are uh, clearly a, a portion of veterans who are, are facing access challenges to care. There's a number of different options for addressing this issue, including hiring additional physicians, uh, formalizing independent nursing practice so that advanced practice nurses practice at the extent of their license and make better use of those professionals, and expanding virtual access to care. VA has long been a leader in telehealth um, it has some very promising practices that could be um, brought bigger. There's uh, promising practices in telehealth for primary care um, that some VA facilities are making use of and, and finding where these um, promising practices are and um, using these across the VA system uh, would be very beneficial. Um, VA will need to monitor and work to reduce variability in access and quality across the system to ensure that every veteran receives high quality and timely care regardless of which facility they seek care from. Uh, we recommend considering alternative standards of timely access to care so that there can be a comparison of the timeliness of VA care to the timeliness of care received in other healthcare systems. Um, other healthcare systems have been moving towards measures of appointment availability, uh, such as the, the number, uh, the proportion of appointments that are available on the same day or uh, when the third next available appointment is. We also recommend more sensitive standards of geographic access to care. As I showed on the earlier slide, it really matters how you measure this. And there's, uh, if you measure it just by driving distance, you get one number. If you measure it by access through public transportation, you get another number. We've done other analyses looking if you count, if you include traffic, and so you consider driving time, not just driving distance, um, and you get different numbers depending on how you measure this. So it, it really matters thinking about how veterans are accessing care. As I mentioned before, we have a strong recommendation to really identify and come to consensus on what are the objectives and the strategy for purchase care and make that a clearly defined strategy. To continue to streamline the management of the purchase care system, we were pleased to see the, the consolidation plan and agree that this, is, that this is important to reduce inconsistencies across these different mechanisms. And finally, we have a very strong recommendation to monitor the quality and the timeliness of care purchased outside VA. I'll close this with a quote from Abraham Lincoln, which is the VA's guiding mission. And regardless of the future direction of <coughs> VA, it's really important to consider that the, the real goal here is to ensure that those who have served the country receive high quality, timely health care. Thanks. This presentation is provided as a public service by the RAND Corporation. Visit www.rand.org to learn more about these issues and to explore RAND's free online library of more than 10,000 policy reports and commentaries.